want to get out of here? Yahoo! This is beneath you. You are an intelligent woman. Also, you're Jewish. I guess I have a lot to learn about holiday tradition. Teach me how to understand Christmas. Show me how to open a box. It hurts my little head when I'm lying in my bed with visions of sugar plum socks. Is this a bit? Teach me how to understand Christmas. Do I trim the tree or the deer? I can't keep it straight, and now it's getting late. Where does the stocking go? Here? I can't see. What's the Christmas Eve? Is that Santa's lady? Are snowmen cold or hot? Won't you be my daddy? I'm a silly Christmas baby. Tell me what to deck. Because <laughs> I forgot. Annie. Wayne oh. Oh. Hoodie Understandy Christmas. Mistletoe for Edie tastes good? Oh, you smarty, me dumb, help witty, have fun! Boopy doopy doop, boop sex. Look, eventually you hit a point of diminishing returns on the sexiness. What's a diminishing And might I just be so bold as to say if for service representatives or people in the customer service or just service industry aren't allowed to shoot people when they're having a bad day, then we should fix the police. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Imagine if on Black Friday you could be like, Janet, calm the fuck down or I'm going to smoke your ass. <laughs> yeah, if Best Buy's employees had like stand your ground laws, but just for Best Buy. Everyone who came um, Best Buy would get fucking shot. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, so let's, you know, let's syndrome this, okay? You know, either everyone can do it or no one can. I'm personally for no one can, but if we want to move into an everyone can society, then at least it's <laughs> equitable. Yep. But let's let's paint a hypothetical here where, like, let's again use the, the, the neighborhood electronics store Best Buy. Uh, let's say you... You are minding your own business out in the world and there are just Best Buy employees walking around all the time, right? right? And the Best Buy employees are boys in blue, if you will. The Best Buy employees <laughs> can uh, accost you, beat you, and attack you sometimes for no reason. Oftentimes. And you, and you by law, cannot do anything about it. Like, you, imagine you as a citizen would face more penalty for hitting a Best Buy employee that is wrongfully accosting you than the Best Buy employee ever would for shooting you. That is, uh, that's the hypothetical that I've this is the This is the game we are playing. This yes. is where we are now. Again, playing with dangerous ammunition because I am, in fact, a white man. Uh, so I try not <laughs> to be too, f too flippant about any of these things uh, or to come off as being too flippant because it is something that I that I take seriously. Yeah. But if you paint a little uh, word picture like that, it really makes you go, huh, this, this is <laughs> something, about this something about doesn't this doesn't seem flawed. right. Yes. If I kill a cop, my life is over and I go to jail forever and I never come or, out. Or you don't make it to jail. Exactly. Because they if are also cop... known for doing that. 
if a cop kills me, he probably won't even get fired. Right. That is the uh, uh, completely upset scales of justice that we're looking at here. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah. <clears throat> Seems messed up. It's very messed up. It doesn't even seem messed up. Seems messed up left the, left the, uh. Sorry, I need to not the leave chat. the door open for someone <laughs> to wiggle through. Yes. Is messed up. Yes. I just want to, I want to make sure that on, on this, uh, uh, community podcast that we're very clear about, uh, uh, police brutality, especially entering into the Chang storylines that we are going to be entering into in for the rest of this season. Police officer using child soldiers to ascend to a minor <laughs> level of educational fascism. Yes. Uh, I think it is important to know uh, that I am against that. And I don't think that's good. Well, I am I am appreciative of your, um, your candor. Why would you say yeah. something so brave? Why would you say something? Okay, you gotta you gotta lean back with like you're holding yeah. a pencil. Why would you say something so controversial, yet mm-hmm. so brave? Uh, I have not seen a lick of the Eric Andre show, but it has given us. It's got Zeitgeist out the fucking wazoo. <laughs> yeah, it's given us at least four incredibly important meme touchstones, right? Because yes. yes. you have. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? Uh, you have the let me in, let me in, uh, which is very good. Uh, you have Eric Andre shooting Hannibal Burris and then saying, <laughs> why would, you know, whoever do this? I don't know the actual thing that he says in context. Um, I just know, you know, uh, put, um, you know, over Eric Andre, put FBI and CIA over Hannibal Burris, put socialist south american countries and then at the bottom have him say why would socialism do this (laughs) um uh that's what i know and then um it's not as important as the others but hannibal burris just saying this sucks man (laughs) this sucks man uh is i think i think that's up there in the in the pantheon it's very good it's all very good the the stratification of media that like memes have given us is bizarre you know what i mean i'm frequently like amazed by the fact that despite all of the misgivings that the internet is <laughs> rife with uh-huh yeah zuckerberg uh, delete your website yeah it's, in spite of all of the ways that uh, social media and the internet at large are brooding this sense of facts don't matter I'm also simultaneously frequently amazed by how much cool shit happens on the internet and because of the yes. internet. It is, uh, uh, Donald Glover. Yes. Um, I mean, I hate to say it. It is like a microcosm of humanity. Is that like putting a group of humans together will reap basically an equal amount of good things and terrible things. Mm. And I think the, you know, the terrible things are maybe bigger than the good things, even if the good things are more plentiful. Does that check out? Does that does that sort of rationale kind of make sense here? Yeah, no, that, that checks out. That checks out. That, that, like, you know, yes, the internet is a breeding ground for uh, the, the horrible 70-some-odd millions of Americans that we're currently saddled with, but it is, all like, also without the internet... 
even having attended four years at a very liberal university, I probably would not have been able to shake off 18 years of republicanism without the internet. Yeah. It makes you wonder whether it's the internet or the the equippedness of the users. And the obvious answer is that it's the latter, right? Like if everybody was smart and could fact check and was rational, the internet would be the greatest tool humanity's ever made. But the the sad reality is that like 20% of our population possesses all three of those skills and the rest don't. (laughs) Um, yes, unfortunately, uh, I th- things would be, there was this promise as we were entering into the internet age of, uh, let's say the early to mid nineties, where it suddenly became, you know, it was like the world's library, right? It was this idea that we would all come together and share all of our information. So no longer would you theoretically have you know, the cases of scientists in Europe trying desperately to track down the coelacanth, like a fish that they thought was extinct, only to find out that it was commonplace in Africa and they sold it at fish markets, but no one bothered to ask the Africans about <laughs> right. this fish. Right. Um, and in theory, an internet world would would fix that, would change that. Um, and there's certain things that the internet cannot overcome, um, to speak again of Africa, like there is still a very specific set of images that occur in most Americans head when they think of Africa, even though there are middle-class people in every country in Africa, you know what I mean? Like there, it's not, it's not just a continent of a savanna, it's like... A, 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 a functioning country country cairo is not just pyramids they actually built like a whole big city like <laughs> there <laughs> like things actually happen yeah like what a wild like people do and i know it sounds again like i'm being very flippant and I, i'm not trying to like toss these things off but it's like Yes, of course. Like, what do you think? Like, they just don't build cities out there? Like, Mm. what are you talking about? Um, And, yes. uh, It's like they they only watched the videos that were provided for them in uh, middle school? Because by the time they Uh were in high school, they obviously weren't paying attention. But uh, it's like they only used the videos they were given in middle school that showed, like, the foundations of humanity or whatever. And then went from there and just assumed, like, this is what the world's like. Look how great America is. Like, we moved past that. And the reality is that, like, homie, like, what? Yeah, I mean, no one, I mean, the, I will speak to Missouri public school education vis-a-vis the continent of Africa, uh, the, the rivers, like the birthplace of civilization, and then skip forward to pyramids, and then it's just nature documentaries, and yeah. that is the, and, and maybe the gods that, must be crazy. Oh, right. Yeah, where they worship a glass Coke bottle that fell from the sky. Do you know how many Republicans um, probably think that that's a true story? 
Oh, a hundred. I mean, no, I was about to say a hundred percent. I meant a hundred percent that there were people that believed it, not a hundred percent. Not every Republic. single person? Uh, no, I'll say like 95 uh, yeah. percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But right. And, and my beloved fictional media is as guilty of this as the public school system is that like still American media will only show the parts of Africa that are war-torn vis-a-vis District 9, you know, uh, uh, the one character of Lost that's from Africa, guess what? There are warlords involved. You know, it's... it's And, and what little we get of Africa... You know, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> Where See, the, the worst part about District 9, I love that movie to death. The worst part about that is that it takes place in a place where apartheid was destroyed... And, like, things were moving back to the way they should be and reinstates apartheid for the sake of the film. And you could have set that anywhere and called it apartheid. But why did you have to go to Joe? Why no? He went to Joburg because he's from Joburg. So, right. He's telling a story about where he's from in theory. Sure. But still, like, just make it set somewhere else. But we also know Neil Blomkamp tells um, stories with the, the subtlety of a sledgehammer being dropped from the Empire State Building. So indeed, and I and Elysium, I, I, the, the rich speak French and everyone else speaks Spanish. Homie, we fucking get it. <laughs> I love that movie as well, but dude, no, dude. no, no, Matt. I mean, that, that movie's is not good bef- just because of Matt Damon. That movie's good because of like Shalto Copley. And oh uh, god, no! Not even Charlotte. Not even Jody. Like I don't. I don't think anyone's good in that movie. (laughs) I mean, talk about before I had the term white savior in my vocabulary. I was like, isn't it weird that all of the characters on Earth are Latino except for Matt Damon, and Matt Damon is the character we're following? Like, isn't that weird? (laughs) Who was everyone else busy? You, <laughs> you know, Danny Trejo didn't pick up the phone. Uh, oh, okay. But Alicia with Danny Trejo. We have, we have Elise Braga and she's great. We have Diego Luna and he's great. We got Wagner Mura and he's great. Pedro Pascal, Michael Pena. You know, like I'm not picky. George Lopez. Okay, imagine. <laughs> Imagine, imagine Elysium, but it's George Lopez instead of Matt Damon. I think that's inarguably a better film. Oh, you know who they should have cast if they wanted to get the the get it culturally right? Who? Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Mexican, Jake Gyllenhaal. He can yeah. play any race. <laughs> He's one of those guys. He's <laughs> he doesn't see color. He doesn't. Yeah, he colorblind casting. Which, of course, always means white casting. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that a bitch? Isn't that a bitch? Is that like everyone went colorblind after... Colorblind casting you'd think would be, let's go diverse. But instead, colorblind casting means we don't see color. So if you say this is racist, ah. fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is that is something that I've heard a lot, is that instead of colorblind casting, one should specifically, in their scripts and their projects, refer okay. to if not a specific ethnicity, then non-white, um, because colorblind casting almost always ends up being white, unless you specifically... And that is something that uh, the show that we talk about, 
uh, is one of the few examples of a show that did essentially colorblind casting and actually ended up with some non-white people. <laughs> yeah. uh, that we, you know, Troy is not specifically black, but then Donald Glover comes in and you're like, Troy is black. Yeah. Shirley is black. Uh, Abed, I think, is the only one who is specifically referred to as their... Um, by his race, because Abed is based on a real person. Yeah. Uh, and I assume Pierce was also, like, had to be white, right? I feel like there's no version of this show where Pierce is not a There's a version of, of this show where Pierce is an old black man, but the conversation that needs to be had for that to be done with any intention is a conversation that a 23-minute show can't afford. Yes, it was not. There are shows that could definitely do that. And there's a more in, there's a very interesting version of community where, you know, and I'm just use other actors that have ended up on sitcoms in the last few years. There's a version of community where Pierce Hawthorne is Lawrence Fishburne, Keith David, uh, you, uh, Garrett Morris, if you want to use a Chevy Chase Saturday Night Live contemporary. You know, Garrett Morris ended up being on Two Broke Girls for a hundred years instead. But there's a version of community where that character is an older black man keeping some of the same, like, bigoted tendencies. Yeah, and just the conversation with that doesn't need to be like, that's racist. The conversation with that needs to be like, what happened to get you here? Yeah, how did you end up in this in this place? And I, I'm skipping over a bunch of actors that also could have done that same part. But Community is also working very specifically from a set of stereotypes. All of these characters, the original study group, as they exist in the pilot, are all pretty well-worn stereotypes. And it's only later that the, the, the clay gets stretched out and turns into something more interesting. And the racist old white man is a much more well-worn trope than the racist old black man, right? Right, right, right. You know who I the, absolutely loved to play Pierce? But who absolutely could not have done Pierce because he's too good? I want to hear it. Ted Danson. Oh, Can you imagine Ted Danson man. in this cast? I mean, But also, God. I would never want to make him be an old racist jackass. He's too good for it. Right, is that I can't allow Sam Malone, Michael from The Good Place, Becker. I don't want him to be racist. And I also think that we, if we cast Ted Danson in that part, Fred Willard is another actor that they went to for that role. Those guys are way too likable. Way Those too, guys. way too. I remember when Fred Willard showed up the first time, I was like, no, <laughs> this doesn't work. This is not Peter's, <laughs> uh, but he was a name put out there. And don't get me wrong, Fred Willard is one of the funniest people, well, R.I.P., was one of the funniest people on the planet. Um, just an absolute powerhouse. Like, uh, you, others may disagree. I think pound for pound, line for line, the most, the character in cinema history that gets the most laughs per screen time is Fred Willard as the announcer of the dog show in Best in Show. Every line is a huge <laughs> laugh yeah. of that movie. Um, and if you put Fred Willard in that part, I mean, it's a good show, but there's honestly something oddly 
unintentionally prescient about taking the old racist white guy that could be a laughed off trope and making him as unlikable as Pierce Hawthorne is yeah uh frequently throughout this show yeah and it's almost silly that the show like knows it's uh it's it's uh what am i trying to say like it's fortuitousness almost like early in season mm-hmm. one or maybe not season one but one of one there's a moment where the dean walks into the room and out loud notes that like this is the most diverse group group i could walk up to because it has wow, the, there is one of every kind of you, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Which, like, is <laughs> funny in and of itself, but also, like, lends to this, like, we we know that Dan Harmon is a, is a good writer and is very self-aware. It leads uh-huh. to this, like, perhaps realization that Dan Harmon even had and asked to be, you know, embodied in the script where the dean literally says what Dan thought when the casting was done. Like oh shit! Look what we did, we we yeah. we we got most of them, and uh, that's a funny thing for me because it's hard to watch most comedy and like give credit to offhanded things having more than one connotation unless it's like a show that Michael Schur has a part of, or a show that Dan Harmon has a part of. Yeah, that definitely seems to be something that Michael Schur cares about. Dan Harmon, I I I don't think we have enough material to work with to determine if that is truly like endemic to his work uh because rick and morty is an animated show and those rules i think are a little different uh or at least are presented a little differently but uh you have uh this show and then dan Harmon has not given us another live action program whereas like michael shore the receipts are there the office, Parks yes. and Recreation, The Good Place. He has an endless list of incredibly qualified, famous white actors that would love to be on one of his shows. And as his shows go on, you know, by the time you get to The Good Place, you have three non-white, basically unknowns as your as part of your core cast. Yeah. Um, and that is that ain't that ain't nothing. Yeah, that's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies uh, <laughs> podcast, <laughs> where for the first time before this intro, we were actually talking a lot about the American television comedy That's community. That's a really good point. For the first time, <laughs> for the first time, we were actually talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually talking about uh, community. Uh, we are Advanced Community Studies, the first and still premier uh, podcast in the Yahoo Screen Podcasting Network. I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and gentlemen, my name is Clarence Thaddeus Foos. My grandfather, Fletcher Morton Foos, invented this game for one purpose, to have the loudest, dumbest thing happen. Now it has. The game of foosball is completed. You're free to return to your undoubtedly hearing-impaired families. (laughs) Undoubtedly hearing-impaired families. I'm the dead host, the only other host here tonight, because Jace had things, but... Jace is on assignment at the Four Seasons. Total lawn care. Total <laughs> lawn care! Wah, wah, wah. I, I know I... we're in the middle of, like, an attempted coup by the dumbest people on Earth. Uh, Four Seasons Total Lawn Care is the funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> Uh, just imagine being there as a press correspondent and like sitting between a crematorium and a dick shop <laughs> and thinking, this makes sense. 
This is the only existence where this could actually have made sense, and sh- sure as shit. And it's so, it's so funny. And I know, like, <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll come to eat these words. We are recording this on Tuesday, November 10th, a week after the election. Uh, it is more than overwhelmingly predicted that Joe Biden will be the next president. However, in the intervening week and two days, I can't discount the idea that shit may have changed. <clears throat> yeah, it's. You but know. you were you were introducing yourself. I was. Right? It's all right. I was introducing myself. But we're ready to do the podcast now. So I would just like to say that things have now become very much like Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. What are you guys doing here on a Saturday night? Shouldn't you be making expressionist art films or well-engineered cars? You take the. You take that. Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the foosball guys. It's good. It's real good. I, was that? Did you buy that ball for for the bit? It wasn't even that good. It's like a $35 bit. <laughs> like $35 bit. We are, uh, with this episode, I think, um, entering into a period of community comedy that will kind of keep going through the rest of the season, where it's these, like, long, drawn-out, kind of just a character talking to themselves. Uh, and the joke is that it goes on for, like, way longer than you expect. Because <laughs> you have... You have this. The other one that leaps to mind is in the first episode featuring the character of Subway. And the Subway representative is like, now if someone will hand me my jacket, I'll just exit through the door. And then they're all like, it's right by the door. You could just get it on your way out. And he's like, I I, I am waiting here. Why don't you just get the jacket yourself? (laughs) And the, the longest one of all time is a Keith David one. It's in the episode where they are making a movie using footage of Chang when he goes to become the ham girl. And and Keith David just pulls this like green billiard ball out of his pocket. And he's like, now where did I get this? This was just in my RV. It's a green three. But I've played billiards before. There's no green three. So where did this come from? And it's like this <laughs> long. It's so weird and, and funny. It's incredible. Um, but anyway, the... where did it come from? There's no green three. So every did this come from? every single time, I cannot escape it, and I cannot wait until we get there. I every time I read something that's a memory, a measurement of memory, and it's in terabytes, I always think <laughs> those bastards did it. Those, those crazy did it. bastards did it. Uh, I love all of Community. I am exceptionally excited to eventually talk about season six, which is something that's just like there's a. There's a there's a fucking alien about to like chestburster <laughs> wants to come out and just wants to talk about Frankie and Elroy so bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let me tell oh, you yeah. about chestbursters having a pregnant wife. Not far from it. <laughs> Sometimes the kid moves, and I'm like, I've seen this, and I need to leave. <laughs> I can't. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a it's a whole deal and alien is a franchise I'm, I'm kind of watching through them all for the first time i'd seen a few here and there but i'm like slowly going through the whole six of them the imagery and themes about like womanhood and and carrying child that are so constant throughout those movies it's it's inescapable if I should ever have a pregnant partner i will non-stop be worried about a fucking xenomorph <laughs> It's weird. It's just weird. It's just... And, like, it's even weirder when, like, they don't just punch out in a direction. They punch out and rotate. And you're like... Bah! And it's, it's... 
It's nightmare fuel, my dude. Sounds uh, sounds excellent. <laughs> 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 sounds great. Yeah, it sounds yeah. Fa- it sounds fantastic. I don't know where uh, you heard it, but if you could share it with me, I don't know why I turned yeah, it. Yeah, Viola. Uh, yeah, family life, pregnancy. Check it out, folks. Yeah, just, it you can dip your toes in. You don't have to stick around. Yeah, dabble. Uh, let's let's uh, first episode of the <laughs> dabble, daddy. I dabble. Uh, the episode we both quoted from for our quotes round this week, uh, season three, episode nine, Fußball and nocturnal vigilantism, directed by Anthony Russo. The last Anthony Russo episode of the whole show. This is it. After he goes off and make Captain America, he no come back. Really? Yeah. I mean, it seems to be, it seems to have some seems, He seems to have done okay. He seems, <laughs> he seems like he's doing fine. Seems to be shaken out okay. Uh, written by Chris Kula. In this episode, uh, Jeff and Shirley realize that they have a shared obsession with and history with the game of foosball. At the same time, after Annie breaks Abed's Batman DVD... Uh, Abed becomes Batman once again uh, to go after his own land. Oh, man. He doesn't have a wife or women's feet. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, that always fucking makes me laugh. Dude, there's there's a lot of, like, Troy, like, asides in this episode that, not asides even, but just, like, Troy lines in this episode that fuck me up every time. It's one of my favorite episodes to watch just for Troy. The foosball thing's pretty funny until it gets a little too heady. Uh, and then it's funny again. Uh-huh. But like the the side plot with fucking the the apartment trio is extremely good. Um, all the way from like Troy cry singing back to his room to <laughs> And and Annie trying to record the Batman go. This scene was really hard for all of us. And then like the grappling hook scene where he's like, "You were supposed to call us down." (laughs) Abed, where have you been? (laughs) Which I can only read as like he's playing along for Abed's sake because he's he's been here the whole time. He knows that he's referred to Batman as Abed. Um, it's okay. It's what Troy has this elastic intelligence where sometimes he's like very competent and aware, and sometimes he doesn't know what a sex swing is. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> he, he's not a child, he's not an infant. I know he's a dumb man, but come now. Come on. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. It's, it's- great. I love uh, I love how much Troy like puts on something so that Abed sees one thing and then like <laughs> Abed's gone and Troy's like damages damage control <laughs> like, like uh-huh. when she's like we can just record over it and he's like oh yeah because that's something that he would fall for um, and yeah. then uh, have you seen ever sitcom episodes where they try to play replace a a, a special uh, irreplaceable object because Abed has seen them all. <laughs> Will not work. Yeah, I love how much Troy absolutely loves his his life partner Abed, but also knows that he's dealing with like a very delicate individual. You know, he's he 
Abed is a computer. He cannot be outwitted. <laughs> he you you cannot attempt to to circumvent Abed. Yeah, it's great. You cannot trick the trick master. You can't. Uh, you cannot riddle the Riddler. Um, you to to attempt to trick Abed is to attempt to trick Mister Mitz's Pitlick into saying his name backwards to send him back to the fifth dimension. It's I just remembered the thing that Abed says when he's standing on the fire escape. <laughs> when he's like the night beckons, like a finger curling and uncurling as if to say, <laughs> "Hey, come here." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I hesitate to use the word minor for a very, like, quote-unquote minor episode of Community. There's a lot of really good, memorable shit in here. Everything Officer Kakowski does in this episode is fucking hysterical. Like, the... <laughs> when he's like, you look familiar. Did I ever pretend to shoot a guy in front of you to teach you about gun safety? <laughs> Never forget a face. <laughs> Oh, but you. But this guy lives with you, and and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so we just have to like live above this guy. And he's like, sweetie, you're a renter. Be lucky it's not heads, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is all you get from from New York slumlords. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, who are you gonna go complain to about the situation of this apartment? Oh yeah. So we've talked a lot about the apartment three, and that's most likely that's mostly my fault. I don't know why I was about to say most likely. It's no, it's a my, good plot. Um, it's a very good plot. But I be a big Nick Kroll fan. And so the existence of one Nick Kroll does make this episode very good for me. Uh, oh. Of course. And this is what is this is late 2011. So I feel like we are right on the cusp of Nick Kroll breaking through. You know, uh, uh, he he was a comedy bang bang regular. Kroll show starts like right around here or a little later. But obviously, by the time you get to, ooh, excuse me, by the time you get to oh oh hello, his special with John Mulaney, he's he's now like uh, uh, an accustomed guy, and his his big breakout character was Bobby Bottle Service. The like, hi dude, what you doing? Come on over here. You know, like that that Kroll voice. To the point where if you watch the movie Sausage Party, Nick Kroll is basically just doing that character in that movie. He basically just does that character in Uncle Drew. Like, you you would have him show up to kind of just do, like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> like, we're just going to bring in Nick Kroll to do this thing he does real fast. I don't know if like there's there's actors that are stuck in like a character that like mm. I get tired of. Um, of Absolutely. course, as I say that, I can't think of any of them. But like, I feel like Nick Kroll and Jason Mantzoukas are just like <sighs> they're both always the same dude, and I love it every time. They're such similar dudes each and every time, and but my god, it always makes me laugh Kroll has a little more Kroll at least like does accents Matt Zoukas really is just like various pitches of the same exact energy but I would also call Jason Manzoukas like the funniest person <laughs> working today uh so I have no you'll get no complaints from me What's uh his name in the good place David Derek Eric <laughs> Maximum Hi, Derek. I'm Derek 
<laughs> yeah. Derek like just gets funnier. And just bites the glass. Oh, it's so it's so much. I love it. Derek is my favorite character on the Good Place. <laughs> Derek, Derek is my number one favorite dude. He, of course, is in the Karate Kid episode of Community. Uh, he's Adrian Pramento on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Dennis Feinstein on Parks and Rec. Like he's just he's on all of your favorite shows at yeah. some point yeah. and kills some supporting role. Um, it's it's absolutely it's maddening, but it's maddening, but it's great. It's maddening. Uh, unfortunately, he is not in this episode. But Nick no, Nick Kroll is. Nick Kroll is. They just remind me of each other. No, completely understood. I mean, Jason Madzukis is the one guy that makes Sasha Baron Cohen laugh. Like Sasha Baron Cohen is notoriously prickly he he doesn't laugh at a lot of shit but the reason that jason manzoukas is like the the second banana in the movie the dictator is because like sasha baron cohen just thinks he's the funniest dude on the planet <laughs> so just like this is like brought him in for this part and i can't blame him he yeah. also is he's the funniest guy around don't know what to tell you it's great but nick kroll but nick kroll. uh Let's talk. but anyone anyone that hasn't seen oh hello on netflix his special with john mulaney uh, big recommend from me. I've seen it like five times. It is funny every time. <laughs> yes. Did you Did you hear that or no? Oh, I saw. Oh, I heard. I heard the Sorry. the classic community <laughs> drum drum roll leading into. <laughs> yep. Don't know why that happened, but uh, oh, I hit num- the one button on my number pad on accident. That's why that happened. <laughs> Uh, so addition must be hard for you. You know, you're typing it. You're trying to like add up some numbers on the old computer, and every time you hit a one, it's like give, give me, give me some. Carry the one, give me some more. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes, I'm like one, 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 and it's like. <laughs> the way that that rang out was very much like an old school comedy club drum roll. It's like, hey, take my wife, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I honestly, I kind of miss, I kind of miss that style of comedy. Um, I wish, <laughs> I wish we'd bring back. <laughs> what do you make of this Jeff and Shirley plot in this episode? Whoa, mm, interesting. That's a that's an interesting question. It's it's like the two. It's not. The, I wanted to say two oldest. It's not because Pierce is old, but it's <laughs> it's the two people in the middle of their lives who by and large throughout this have had like small moments of like introspection into how they are, who they are mm-hmm. getting a moment to like focus on each other and learn what it's like to respect people that are your age. Cause like the rest of the show does feel largely like it's Jeff and Pierce and Shirley trying to make it with the small or the young crowd <laughs> and with the youths with the youths. And uh, this is, you know, the first time that, like, they really get a whole episode to, like, just be in each other's ear. And you get to find out, like, literally what I was just saying, like, what made one one way and what made one another. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's the it's this weird thing where community hones in on Jeff and Shirley's dynamic in fucking episode four of season one. Like where their mutual gossipers uh, vis-a-vis Vaughn is such a strong pitch for what those two characters have in common and can do together. And then the show just refuses to capitalize on that yep. for for most of its runtime. 
because uh, you have this great uh, I, I this is a very solid Jeff and, uh, Jeff and Shirley plot I like these two together um, this is not my number one favorite of theirs but like we get them again when they both go to the carnival mm-hmm. and uh, even the, then that the feels season... like that feels like it's a similar in the similar vein right like it's 100%. them dealing with the interestingness of actually you know being on in the same place on a level playing field with someone your age they get to yeah. act their age in a place and like in that episode specifically Shirley's like stop acting like the rest of the kids <laughs> You're not exactly, and there's there's this great moment. It's not a plot by any means. It's really just like a scene. But in the season five finale, uh, while like the the insurance appraiser is like giving a speech, um, Shirley takes Jeff aside and she's like, "I know that like this bothers you more than you're letting on. Like it's it's okay." And he like kind of brushes her off, and she's like, "I I know you. I know who you are." I know that this bothers you maybe more than anyone. And it's okay for you to admit that. Um, And uh, instead of following Shirley's wise advice there, Jeff, of course, channels that into (laughs) almost eloping with Britta uh, because he's (laughs) Jeff Winger. Right. But, But there's this great dynamic between these two, and you could chalk it up to, like, this show not being excellent with Shirley. Like, she gets great one-liners, but they're... They just don't seem as interested in giving her storylines. And Yvette Nicole Brown will be the first person to, like, talk about that publicly. Uh, But it's just, it's always been this weird, great dynamic that the show had, but just almost refused to capitalize on. Yeah, it's weird. But, you know, uh, that's that's not the only time that this show's, like, introduced a thing and we've been like, oh, this is great. And then the show's just been like, but that's not what we're focusing on. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, a, another example, it's not as good, but like Troy living with Pierce is something that they set up and then realize that they ha- they just don't have any ideas for what that's supposed to be and never do anything with it. The, the most we get with it is in season four after Troy has moved out for over a year. Right. Uh, it's just it's it. Hey, that's that's what happens when you're just like making a. Damn, that's show. season four, the Halloween episode where Pierce hides in his shit in dude. his in his really shitty low budget mansion. I know that they had like no money, but like man, that mansion looks like shit. Ooh, and it's yeah, that's in season four. That that episode, okay. and we'll get to it sooner rather than later. That episode has one of the greatest jokes, probably the greatest joke of season four. Uh, where they find out what date Pierce built his panic room, and it was the theatrical release date of Do the Right Thing. <laughs> that is... What? That is one of the funniest jokes this show has ever done. That's incredible. That's that's so funny, dude. I rewatched it recently because I was a guest on you can't disappoint a podcast for their Halloween special. Um, and I was like, I haven't seen the season four episode basically since it aired. Let me rewatch it. And it was yeah. good. It's the best episode of season four. I think it's good. It's good. There, it, that episode has one of my favorite, like, I think it's in the intro, but I don't know. But it has one of my favorite exchanges between um, Troy and Shirley when they, when they're trying to suss out what he and Britta have done. Yeah. He's like, we've been doing some things, but not too many things. 
He's like, he's things. like, he's like, oh, we do things. And then Britta shoots him a glance, and he's like, not all the things, some things. And then yeah, it just goes things, things. <laughs> Very good. I love that every time. Anyway, back to the episode we're on, the whole season earlier. Yes, the episode we're on. Uh, I know that there are probably some people that take issue with this retcon that, like, Jeff and Shirley do each other when they were kids. I don't really. I don't know. Maybe that's just, like, such a well-worn sitcom trope at this point that I just accept it anytime a show pitches that to me. That, like, oh, they actually knew each other when they were kids. Yeah. But they didn't know it was them accidentally um and i think the resolution is like sweet you know the these these two that cause so much pain for each other um kind of come to a mutual appreciation not through victory but through solidarity with one another yeah by through like sticking it to the other well yeah essentially that being like yo this your your insistence on this on this game is stupid (laughs) and then they just leave it it's great Right. Like, comparing it to the last time in this exact same set that Jeff was in a sports competition being, like, the billiard episode and how, like, the ultimate victory of that was indeed victory, was schooling Coach Boggart at the game of billiards. Yeah. But two seasons later, we, uh, he is at a point where it's like, no, the victory is not victory. I don't need to win. I win through the relationship I've developed with my friend Shirley. Yeah. The um the show has moments several times where you're like, you know what? That's really good. And uh I'm always kind of surprised by them, despite the fact that like that's just what the show frequently does. <laughs> you know? And so Absolutely. it's uh it's always fun to like be surprised by when you think a thing's going to go one way and you're like expecting this big old payoff and then it's like actually this is better and you're like oh you know what it is it is i think about i'm sorry my brain was trying to think about the name of this western that does this there's a movie that came out last year called the sisters brothers it's yeah and uh john c Riley and an old old skeddy western and like that whole movie is like what if we made a spaghetti western and didn't do anything spaghetti westerns did which was make things far too ridiculous for reality. And instead it's like, fuck it. We'll do what's probably what happened more often than not. And so the whole movie I was in this like, oh my God, they're not going to do it. It's just going to, oh my God. And I loved that. I loved that the movie was like, what if we told you a better story that was just like realistic? I don't know. That that, that hits and lands for people. I know people that like a thing will, will upset their expectations and they're like, man, fuck that. I like it most of the time, so I'm weird. I'm also a dad, so I'm really easy to please. <laughs> That's my excuse. Dads, notoriously easy to please. Uh, dads either become harder or softer, and uh, there's there's one of two directions you can move in when you become a dad, and it seems like you went for softer. Yes. I do straight up, this is an aside, but welcome to the show. Um, I, for the weirdest, I have no idea whatever motivation it was, when I um, started my blog, my – not purpose. That's a really weird way to put that. But my, like, initial drive was that, like, there's no reason that every Call of Duty game – and I'm not kidding. This is very real. There's no reason that every Call of Duty game should get a 
nine out of ten or an eight out of ten. They're the same thing recycled all the time. So I'm going to start a blog that gives honest and good reviews, which is like the way people do things now that's shitty. Uh Um, And like four years ago, sure enough, right around when my daughter was born, maybe, maybe a little earlier than that, but not to give myself too much credit, like I don't know. But there was a moment where I was like, yo, like games are hard as fuck to make. <laughs> yeah. So why would you ever be an asshole? You could be like, I didn't like it. Um, but why would you try to be an asshole for something that in our, uh, arguably works great? And like since that moment, I've been I've been this person. It's like, hey, man, like shit's difficult as fuck most of the time. We'll get over it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, It'll be fine. Um so yeah, having a kid makes you care less about getting upset about everything. Sure. And I I think that is a natural step on the trajectory of maturity and just a kid kicks you so much further down that line much more sure. quickly. Yeah. Like you've the kid is like putting a game shark in and suddenly sure. like you have a hundred rare candies that you just spend all at once. Yeah, sure. Um that's Pokemon for you, who was not allowed to play Pokemon because of evolution, as was revealed yep. in in last week's episode. But um, <laughs> uh, yes, that is that is something. I mean, that's something I also have as I've started as I like make things. You know, and a lot most of it's been podcasts, but I do plays and I do web series and I have scripts for movies, and I know how hard it is to make all of these stuff. Like, I feel bad anytime I criticize an animated movie because, like. Do you know how fucking hard it was to make whatever shitty movie yes, you're watching? Exactly. That's literally <laughs> it, dude. It's like, I, I don't even know if it was something that I came, I, I'm not going to give myself that credit. It wasn't something I came across naturally. There was a time mm-hmm. somewhere in my life, I heard someone say, have you fucking tried to make this? And I was like, oh, fuck. Maybe yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> like, that was that, like. Right. I had like a moment where like the last, you know, whatever, however long time of my life, that just kind of flew past me. And I was like, oh, oh, damn, I'm a jerk. (laughs) Like, yeah. But that's I mean, that's something I've also realized because I've written a fair amount of like film and television criticism as well. And and I'm not saying things are beyond reproach that you can't have quibbles with with media that you watch, especially like moral ones like that is always on the table. But I, I do also try to always keep in mind that like, boy, things are hard to make. Yeah. Very hard. And so I try to quote Abed in the next episode we're about to cover. Like I like liking things and, and y'all have heard this podcast. Y'all know that I will talk incessantly about things I like or do not like, but my, my opinions change when I considered the vast undertaking of making any movie. It's a miracle. Any movie is made much less millions of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's that's the same it's like almost exactly the same revelation i had is that like i watched games get made like for real and was like whoa what like when you see when you see somebody who's unable to make something work in the current setup they have so rather than do what you would think would make sense and this is a true story you instead decide to run the game's music through the physics engine because that's Mm -hmm. how you can get it to fit I'm just like every single thing I put my 
my fingers on when I play a game is fucking sorcery. Like, none of ah. this should fucking work at all. And it does. And, like, to think that, like, these things, shows, movies, books, art, comics, any of that shit, games, as soon as you realize how difficult they are and that, like, the people that make them really fucking care about them, then, yeah. like, your, imp- your, your impetus to be scathing, I think, unless you're a sociopath, should dilute a little bit. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for you to have a little bit of a bite back if something really disappoints you or feels misleading or really approaches something the wrong way. But, like, like don't be an asshole. Like, Sp- the last Spider-Man game on PS4 has you start the game as a superhero filling – they're putting, like, s- basically citizen surveillance devices all over the city so that the New York Police Department can, like, better surveil people. And I was like, Spider-Man wouldn't do that. Also, fuck that. But also, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, the, sometimes things have to happen for have-to-happen reasons. And sometimes yeah. you don't think about it. Or you start Spider-Man a game. Spider-Man love a dub police out. state. Spider-Man <laughs> love, love to have us surveyed. Um, uh, to go i'll i'll pin on this for a little second uh i watched dog day afternoon for the first time this past weekend and it is hilarious how fast that movie has like new yorkers turn on the nypd like it takes only only a mild push from al pacino to get a whole like two a 300 new yorkers just start booing the nypd it's so funny dude i love watching Uh, things age poorly um uh It also breaks my heart sometimes, don't get me wrong. But most of the time it's like, yo, this is incredible. (laughs) Right. But you know, it's uh, you know. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's like, yeah, we all love Yuri, the the cop on our radio for most of Spider Man on PS4. But maybe it's okay that she's gonna turn into the Punisher. (laughs) Because Uh, like I played that DLC and I'm like, okay, she's either a new character or they're making her like their version of the Punisher. Uh, oh, I did not play simply... the DLC. That makes me really alarmed. Uh, yeah, sorry. The the because there were those three DLC packs that all kind of build story on top of each other, and the one that is focused on the the Magia, the the Marvel like Mafia. Yeah, yeah. Um, is basically like her supervillain vigilante origin story (laughs) (laughs) which is such a wild twist from the main section of that game where yuri the cop is the most likable person (laughs) in the entire video game it's also really funny that they cast an actor named yuri lowenthal as spider-man and made him say his own name to a different character the whole game (laughs) yuri yeah it's that that's a that's got to be a whole yeah. I mean, my man Yuri Lowenthal, he books. All right? I mean, he's that's been a, doing that's shit a, for decades. That's a professional, okay? Yosuke from Persona 4, fucking Spider-Man from Spider-Man. My man, he books. <laughs> and I got nothing but respect Yo, for Yuri Lowenthal. Back to, the, back to Jake Gyllenhaal. Yuri Lowenthal was the voice of the Prince of Persia. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yes, it's 100% fucking true. And Damn. the remake that's getting made by a studio in India is like, yeah, you can you should come back and do it again, which is great. It's, it's great. 
Yeah, I mean, that that is a tricky territory where you're like, Yuri Lowenthal is the beloved voice of this character. Today, we wouldn't cast Yuri Lowenthal in this role, but it is also like, it's a legacy casting, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, you know, we can talk all day about, like, the the optics of voice acting and how white actors play non-white characters all the time. And yeah, the, the, the conf- famously, and people got really pissed. Oh, who in? Oh, Claudia Black? Uh, As Na- uh, Chloe? Or Chloe. Oh, Naomi, Laura Bailey. Yeah. I mean, both of them. Yeah, Naomi, both yeah, of right. Them, I think. And the, the excuse for Naomi was, like, we decided to change her character's look, like... Way too late for us to recast her. And it, we I wanted it. Laura Bailey because obviously, and then she comes in and does her British accent as this character and does all the mocap. We can't like redo it, but also we decided this character should be black. So now we have, <laughs> now we have a thing. And it's the weird optics that you get into when you have like voiceover performances because you have Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, essentially like a fifth Uncharted game, like Uncharted Four Point Five. And it stars an Indian woman and a black woman, but they are both played by white actors. And that, it becomes a whole thing, you know? And smarter people than I can write about that. It's like a Disney's original Aladdin-type situation. Like, yeah. Yeah. you have Middle Eastern stars, but they are voiced by the whitest people of all time. It's, it's a, smarter people than I will write essays about it, but it is something that I'm always, like, keeping my eye on seeing where the pulse is at yeah yeah it's you know the this is an imperfect industry and humans are imperfect and sometimes timing just doesn't work out and like that's something you'll if you have ever wanted to be involved in any of this or like just have a deep desire like it's i would speaking for you would say we do like you will find out that there are things that just don't work and when it doesn't work they just deal with it they don't wait because <laughs> they can't. So like, they filmed a bunch of Superman while James or Henry Cavill had a fucking mustache, and like, if they just waited six weeks, it wouldn't have been a problem. But they didn't have the time, so they just dealt with it. And then we all had to deal with the Henry Cavill's overly extended upper lip. Absolutely. My suggestion would have been to make a good movie the first time, so you didn't have to <laughs> film it. You to film it. <laughs> I know we just had a whole conversation about it, uh, about like appraising things as being very difficult to make. Uh, and but but they will have ultimately made this Justice League movie at least three times. Yes, and it's like you you should should have tried to get it right the first. Time. <laughs> Y'all know how much easier this would have been if you just done it right to start. How many tens of millions of dollars you would have said like. No, like, at this point, knowing how much production costs, especially that they're filming so much of the Snyder Cut in COVID, you could have saved hundreds of millions of dollars if you just made a good movie the first time. Yeah, and years of people being like, maybe it'll get better. (laughs) Which, like, also kind of fuck you for making people wait for it to be good. And still not guaranteeing it's going to be good. Because these people could be like, the second coming of Christ. And then Christ could just shit on their heads. And they'd be like, well, yeah. I guess I guess it serves us right. Yeah. Uh, will, you know. will Justice League, the Snyder Cut, be the second good Zack Snyder movie? Maybe. 
No. Maybe it will be. I <laughs> just no. <laughs> am I going to? But am I going to watch it and probably do a podcast about it? Absolutely, a hundred percent. I just have to know at this point. Yeah. How could you not? How could how, I not? How the, could you just let that slip past? No, no. You, one must. I have to. I I just have to know <laughs> at this point. Uh, shall we move on to our next uh, episode? Of oh shit! Yeah, that. Uh, season three, episode ten, regional holiday music, directed by Tristram Shapiro, written by Steve Bazalone and Annie Mabane. Uh, in this episode, the the study group is once again drafted into the Greendale Community College Glee Club, uh, where an invasion of the body snatchers style horror plot ensues as they are slowly wrapped into Mr. Rad's web. Uh, and Mr. it Rad. is Mr. Rad. Uh, <laughs> just don't call me late for dinner unless you're serving Brussels. <laughs> Fuck. I hated you as you did it. That's how bad that shit makes me feel. <laughs> but uh, I will say before we like, you know, uh, Mr. Rad is... Uh, uh, a very good and Taryn Killam is like playing that character perfectly. Yeah, like, he really also, is like spot on for to Kobe Smolders, the lucky son of a bitch. And it's like, God, Taryn. <laughs> you said I mean you had I a mean, parent's tone. You had a parent's tone in that. And for a second, I was confused. I was like, wait, what? Taryn, Taryn, damn good it. for you, bud. <laughs> Uh, didn't we just talk about upsetting your expectations? Because what I thought Taryn, was coming next was not good for you. Robin Sherbatsky is a beautiful woman, and I'm glad you're happy together. I hope Kobe's happy. She seems to be. I watched a little bit of that show, Stump Town. She was very good on it. I think it's been canceled, but it was a good little show. It had Jake Johnson from New Girl, who I love. Uh, Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse. We love to see it. Uh, and I'm just, I just hope, I just hope Taryn and Kobe are happy. I hope they're having a great quarantine. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like ev- everybody but the Midwest is having, nope, just kidding. No one's having a good quarantine. Yeah, come on now. Sorry. <laughs> come on now. I, just, but I was saying that and then I was like, wait. Is your quarantine slightly better if you are Taryn Killam and you are quarantined with Kobe Smulders? Probably. That probably, that's actually, Honestly. that seems okay. Honestly, if we, that if seems I all had right. to pick a side, it would seem that there's. If I'm, like, this has all been bad for the economy, for the loss of human life. It's been terrible. But if you're Dave Franco and you're quarantined with Alison Brie, honestly, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're quarantined with Alison Brie and you're childless? Good for you, bud. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, bud. Like Happy for you, Dave. Happy for you. Crushing it, bud. If you're Dan Harmon and you're quarantined with your wife and your sex doll, like, good for you, bud. Good for you. Me, good you're f- quarantined with your pregnant wife and almost four-year-old. Uh, then you've made a mistake. And you've could have... Who they're lovely 50- and you love. You could have made this 50% <laughs> easier on yourself. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yes. Imagine being uh, re- quarantined with boop, be doop, be doop, doop, sick. Yeah, precisely. Uh, and of course, that's what she's like all the time, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, it seems like just, that's just, has just from just from what I've gleaned from like brief social media and um, that episode of the Darkest Timeline podcast that she's on. It seems like they're really just like smoking weed and hanging out and being hot together. And 
good for them. Good for that. <laughs> good for y'all. Yeah. Uh, I know that like the film industry has collapsed in upon itself, but it's the film industry. It's doing that all the time. It'll be back. Um, Hollywood has been collapsing since it started. It's okay. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, regional <laughs> holiday music. This is a delightful episode for me. I've seen it a hundred times. I will see it a hundred more. I, I'm a sucker for musicals in general. I like when the people, they sing of the songs, especially when it's my favorite uh, sitcom characters. Scrubs has a great one. Uh, I love any musical episode of any sitcom. Buffy, of course, has like a legendary one. Um, and this is uh, one of the greats, truly. I like when the people, they sing of the song. I like when the people, they sing of the song, they do with the dance, they act at the act. And that's simply, I gotta give it up. I like when the people sing of the song. And do with the dance. And do with the dance. <laughs> Make it a little love. Get down tonight. Sorry. Are you okay? Uh, we've, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've, uh, do you have a personal favorite song from this episode? Uh, you and I have brought up one many, many times. I feel like we're on the same page here. But um, <laughs> Annie's Christmas song Annie's is... Annie's Christmas song is fucking incredible <laughs> so it's so funny. fucking funny it's brie so... it's maybe the best comedic showcase brie gets on all of community just like her as a performer yeah is so funny the song is hilarious her like <laughs> escalating betty boop voice this it gets worse and worse. It's so funny. Yeah, as her, she loses her facilities of language as <laughs> she goes from... <laughs> just fucking... <laughs> Literally is talking uh, gibberish. Brain hurdy understandy Chris. Christmas? Yeah, dude. It's one of those things where initially you're like, oh, this is interesting. And at the end you're like, please make it stop. <laughs> please, no. Please make uh, it stop. Eventually, you reach diminishing returns on the sexiness. Literally, yes. So fucking good. I mean, all of them are good. I love... My, I think my, my runner-up is, is Troy and Abed's rap. Yoip! Oh. <laughs> Don't even cover so past good. enemy lines. Yeah. So good. About being a I secret Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness. I am Jehovah's most secret witness. And uh, I might just dedicate my life to Christmas. And act just like I love it. The A B E D is great. This episode's I, fucking great. <laughs> it's fucking great. I might have to give my runner up to Baby Boomer Santa. It's really the good. The song they sing as like the decades pass uh, to, to placate to Fake butter and Pierce's and <laughs> Twin Peaks. <laughs> it's so good. Santa Claus born in 1945. <laughs> So good. Oh my god. Donald and Danny are on fucking fire. Oh shit, dude. But it's also really good when, like, Shirley just can't resist telling the kids why Christmas happens because she's that's having a do. fucking, that's like, meltdown. Do. They didn't go tell you. They went to death. That's what they do. They're that's not going they to. Do. It's so fucking funny. And Yvette just, like, killing it on the vocals. Just it's blowing great. out the rafters. It's um, incredible. Uh, uh, just, it's No, she goes into it so much. And hit Britta's just, hit like, like hiding and trying to walk away. Like, I love Britta's... Oh. I, love the, I love that Britta's the foil to the whole episode. Because, like, <laughs> everybody else has a song. 
And like, yeah. I don't know if it was a literal conversation where it was like, we're going to do a singing episode. Who is really uncomfortable with that? <laughs> or who if they were just can like, sing? <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> or if, if she was just like, don't. Britta's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> She's a tree. Um, She's a tree. But her like attempts to keep everybody like straight through this, stay on the path of we're not doing this is great. And then when she goes to get Jeff and he's just, ah, oh. camera's like, <laughs> ah. uh, because Joel McHale also notoriously can't sing. Um, I think that Gillian is like one step above that can like carry a basic tune, like at least <laughs> sound like she's singing. Joel McHale, even in the season three musical number, doesn't even sound like he's singing. He's kind of just like Rex Harrison talk singing. <laughs> and, and then Gillian's like one half step above that. Chevy uh, can do his, like, piano thing, but either, like, didn't want to participate or they didn't want to give him much of a song. Uh, So he doesn't really do anything. And then everyone else, they've got pipes. You know what I mean? It's a little little, um, jarring when you realize, like, Pierce just didn't play ball. (laughs) Chevy just didn't play ball. Yeah. And maybe not didn't play ball so much as just, like, everybody else has a little bit of something. And then he his is like very obviously not him singing, and it's like, eh. it's the only time in the whole episode yeah. I'm like, mm. you're welcome, uh, <laughs> right? And he has that, and he also doesn't in his scene where he brings in the kids to sing for Shirley. You know, when everyone else is under the Glee Club spell, when they've turned into like John Carpenter's The Thing in a Christmas sweater, <laughs> they have this like ear to ear smile this like creepy terrifying like joker gas smile and chevy doesn't even attempt to play that and it kind of spoils the bit a little bit not like fully to any extent but everyone else is really playing it up and he is not playing it at all everyone else is like let's do this he's like no which feels very pierce also, sure. as we know, after the fact, feels very Chevy Chase. <laughs> 100%. And it's, I don't think it really drags down the episode at all, because I'm only really, like, consciously thinking about it for the first time with this episode having been in my life for nine years. But, um, it, you know, it is a, it is a facet that, yeah. that is, is part of it. Uh, we have Britta's, uh, Britta's great Christmas song. Let Britta sing her awkward song. <laughs> That's a, yes. It's a Christmas, Christmas time for me. It's a Christmas time for a tree. <laughs> He's like, she's ruining it. I love this episode. Great, dude. This episode's great. Everyone's playing it. The music is fantastic. Uh, I, I do have to ask, as we're in this cultural point, maybe we've brought this up on the show before. What is your relationship, if any, to the American television show Glee? So I've not watched it um, with purpose myself, but my wife did watch it um, and loved it. And I didn't dislike it. I just, uh, it was one of those. Doesn't th- seem like your thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love musical, like, I love musical film shows, theater. Uh, I just. Uh didn't ever feel like starting over because she was so far into it. And I was not going to have the time to watch that like six season show myself. So while she was watching it, I caught as much as I could in terms of like just being there when it was on. Um, I like it. I think that sometimes it tries a little hard, but 
that also might just be musicals. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I will. Musicals uh, are like a right. step up from acapella to me. Acapella is like we're gonna annoy you for ten minutes doing a thing that just should have <laughs> instruments, and then <laughs> uh, musical theater is different. It's like oh. This this has a this has more of a purpose. I don't know. I, if anybody listens to the show and does acapella, I love you. You are talented. I yeah, just ever. just can't get I just can't get into it for longer than one Andrew Baines Bernard rendition of anything. Sure, absolutely. Um, acapella, much like improvisational comedy, is really much more for the performers than it is for the audience. And you know what? We're all having good time. Good for you. If right. you if you found this thing that brings you joy and brings you solace, I say go for it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's difficult. I can't do it. So I'm not going to be like, right. it's bad. You're bad. I, it's just not for me. That's a skill I don't have. This is a skill. Um, I d- I've done musical theater and choir for, you know, a number of years in high school, a little in college, um, and haven't followed through on that. And that's okay. Uh, but totally. I... I watched and uh, the first season of Glee. I stand by it to this day. I think for what it is and what it is doing, it's very funny. It's got great musical numbers. Um, it's got some weird like plotting choices, but I will stand by that first season uh, uh, pretty much to this day. Uh, the second season is pretty crap, but they introduce this all-male singing group that is excellent, and then they dissolve that group at the end of the second season after a season that I didn't think was very good. And I said, cool, done with the show. (laughs) They got rid of the only thing that was keeping me around. I'm out. (laughs) Uh, Which also is basically what happened to Game of Thrones. Not singing wise, but that's pretty much, I'm like, oh, we're getting rid of these guys? The people I care about are not around and the people I don't care about are getting more screen time. Oh, this seems like a great time for me too. You're going to get rid of Tywin and the Hound in the same episode that you ruin Tyrion's character arc. All right. All right, Game of Thrones. This is, I, I think we're okay. <laughs> I think this is where yep. I had fun. This is, I think this is where you and I part ways. Um, and also, apparently also, judging by Rob Stark was great. And Rob Stark was story, cool. That storyline just kind of died. Yeah, it just died. Unfortunately, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones vis-a-vis character death had the same problem that the walking dead did for me was that it never made the character death mean anything. It was always just shock. And yeah, it was like, they're dead, now what? And then it was like, we will answer that for you before you get to think about it, because we have other characters we want to get to. <laughs> it was uh-huh. like, cool, you could have just... Okay. Whereas the drama shows that I like, if they kill off a character, make it important not only for that character but for the larger story like it's thematically resonant how this character is is leaving the show uh see lost see hannibal any of the shows that have talked about too much on this podcast about community yeah um i have seen one glee episode after season two and it is uh the school shooting episode uh where at the end of the episode you find out a girl with down syndrome (laughs) Brought a gun to school, so Glee kind of goes off the rails. Dude, yes. I hate to be the guy to tell you about Glee's uh, school shooting episode, which I believe is called Shooting Star. No, it's not. (laughs) Please don't. Please don't. Glee shooting star. 
don't look. I don't even want you to look it up. I'm so curious, but I don't want you to look it up because I don't want you to ruin that. Oh my god, it was the that show it got so bad. So who the fast. fuck? Who the? F- a seemingly regular day at McKinley takes an unexpected and terrifying you've turn already, when an unthinkable event oh my has god. lasting it's consequences. Shooting star. It's called shooting star. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! What songs are in this episode? I remember don't like being mad. Stop! Don't. <laughs> uh, your song by Elton John, <laughs> which is one of my favorite songs of all time. I can't believe it. Like I'm saying, if you're gonna do this like tasteless school shooting joke, like put in Bon Jovi "Shot to the Heart," put Lean in like it? sure, yeah, no, I put in I by that. like. LaRue's bulletproof. Like, if you're gonna do this tasteless shit, I would respect you more <laughs> if you went like full tasteless. Yeah, it would I would I would respect you more if you just went, what if we just did whatever the fuck we wanted? And I I earnestly like respect that more. Yes. Than, no, I'm 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 on board with that. Than this half measure shit. I like Mike Airman Trout say, no more half measures. Do it or don't. <laughs> holy shit i don't know if i'll recover from finding out that an episode where a shooting <laughs> takes place on a show is called fucking shooting star that's but they also don't use the song shooting star by bad company so it's like what was, what was the point you Why had you all this it? opportunity you stared in the face and then spit on how Why did you do this <laughs> Oh. I'm sorry to uh, make this this uh, discussion of a great community episode uh, segue uh, into this. Yeah, uh, I love that. Didn't you? <laughs> I love that this episode kinda follows shot it up in the on head, you. Didn't you? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, woo, woo. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's revealed that a girl with Down syndrome did it, and then the gym teacher helps her like cover it up. Um, so also uh, didn't need uh, to know that. Sorry. Move on, please. I, I love that. I was trying to. I love that this episode um, follows up on a random plot thread from the fake flashback episode like 10 episodes ago. Uh, that that we are, that is all canon and we are building atop the established canon. Yeah, uh, the good. other example of something like that I can think of is the Ass Crack Bandit, where it's like three seasons later, we're going to take this minor reference and and build it into a whole David Fincher parody. Yeah, it's great. I love that the show is like, remember that one time we said that one thing that you just kind of, you surely just threw away. Um, well, we weren't kidding. <laughs> and you're like, oh, damn. All right. Okay. Because then that then that prompts you to make sure you didn't miss anything else that might be pertinent information, which is kind of a show's way of being like, <laughs> "Fuck you for thinking you could do something while you were watching this." Um, I love that shit, and it's it's Absolutely. kind of cruel, but I love that shit. I uh, like that shit. I like where they're like, "Hey, you fucking nerds! I know, <laughs> I know you you're paying attention to this shit. You're writing this shit down. Well, here you go, you fucking nerds. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna like this one." the good version of fan service. Um, yeah. Where, and I, I think that, yeah, 
Exactly. Uh, well, I, I think Endgame. Infinity War is the bad version of fan service. Yes. Uh, but Endgame is the good version of fan service. I, I, I like that shit. And I also think it's the good kind of reference where if an audience member is not aware that they are missing a reference... It, it, it doesn't you don't feel like you're missing anything if you sure. don't know there's a reference that you're missing sure. yes this is this yes anyway good uh good dang uh episodes you want to move into rankings no i don't but we're gonna so let's do it <laughs> oh we're going there <laughs> it's just gonna get more we're... stressful Absolutely. Um, but I find it's like it's like when I'm really depressed and my solution is to watch a really sad movie. It's like, actually, the stress of this takes away from the stress I feel about other things. And so it's a good channeling of my stress. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've never, I've never allowed myself to do that. I've had the urge to, like, I'm bummed. Let's watch something that validates my being bummed. I'm normally like, guess I just won't consume any entertainment now. Because I don't sure. want to listen to sad music and happy music feels wrong. You know what I mean? I just kind of like, I guess I I'll, I'll do something else. It's dumb. Now I'm going to go watch much... movie when I feel sad because you gave me permission. Yeah, and everyone everyone feels differently about these things. And it really is different from like person to person. But me as someone that suffers with depression and to a lesser extent anxiety, the th- I find it helpful to if I'm super depressed, I'll put on Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, like a three-hour movie about human misery, because it, it it's on my wavelength. Sure. Like my solution, sure. if I'm sad, is like I need to go listen to some sad music to not only feel someone else is also feeling these things, sure. but yeah, see, you I've know, had I've when, had the urge to like spin up Manchester Orchestra and just listen to their sad ass music. But been like, no, because this makes sure. me sad. But yeah, that's uh, I, I've never thought about it as like it being it meeting you where you are instead of trying to drag you out of where you are. Yeah, it meets me where I am. Whereas like I, I never feel more depressed than when I am around really happy people, people that just seem at least externally to be effortlessly happy. Sure. Um, and that only exacerbates any depression that I am feeling. It's something that I, I think there are certain episodes of uh, Christmas movies and episodes of Community about Christmas that hit the like depression of that time of year. And I really like those because they're meeting me on my level. I don't feel like I am not living up to the happiness sure. that others feel. Sure. I am living in other people feeling like I do. But again, Everyone is different in that regard, but that works for me, generally. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies, Christmas time set movies, is Iron Man three. Yep, a movie about uh, someone dealing with post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I love In Bruges, uh, which is a Christmas movie <laughs> about depression. Um, I just I like that kind of thing. It's uh it's my bag, baby. Uh, baby. But the first N tag we are ranking here tonight. Uh, is Leonard's Frozen Pizza Review. Oh, shit. It's three ninety nine at Kroger's. Also, <laughs> like getting any... to the, like, you're going to see some some stuff this show brings up again. Like, yeah. this is, doesn't, we don't, we see him, we hear Leonard's him talk YouTube about channel, this once. is not his only, his only uh, uh, occurrence of Leonard's YouTube channel. Right, right. We hear him talk about it once. We see him ordering pizza and playing bass guitar once that may or may not have led to a pizza <laughs> review. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of 
He reviews Let's Potato Chips, I think, as, like, the last season three end tag. Um, is, like, him reviewing Let's Potato Chips, and then there's, like, this hulking black dude that walks into the room. Yeah, his, like, roommate that starts, like, making eggs or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Leonard's Frozen Pizza. I like this. I I love Leonard. Leonard is the best non-study group member on the show. Leonard's the greatest. Um, hmm, is the all right? So the old the old measuring stick. How does this rate against Donald Glover, screaming slut? Um, that was a weirdly musical um. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, it had a natural vibrato. Um, yeah, that's a. Mm, I don't know. I mean, slut better. Slut's better than this. I think. But we are in the right territory. Yes, yes. It's not, thinks. It's I think. not by and large better. It's right right next to it. We're right here. Uh, <laughs> if we get down to, like, dinner with LeVar Burton, I think we're in the right zone. Dinner with LeVar, current number 31. Okay, yeah. I like LeVar... Hmm. I like Le- dinner cool. with you know, LeVar more, maybe? Than this? Yeah. But, okay. Abed and the Janitor, current number 34. I think we're above that. I do like that end tag. Love Jerry Minor. But I think we're, I think we're, I think we're right there. So maybe beneath Spaceships, current number 33, above Abed and the Janitor? Yeah. That makes sense. I just realized, I was like, man, it would be nice if I could see these. It's because I moved my camera to the wrong place. All right. Yes. Yes. Uh, Also, someone threw out there that LeVar Burton should uh, be the person to uh, replace Alex Trebek hosting Jeopardy. And I agree with that 100%. At 100%. Wait, who should? LeVar should replace uh, Alex Trebek. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. Yeah, that'd be pretty good, right? It would work. I would. Yes, that works. I embrace it. Uh, Anyway, the next. and tag uh, is the Carol of the Bells <laughs> as sung by uh, community cast members doing their catchphrases. It's great. This, this is a lot. My favorites. <laughs> this is a lot. Uh, it's it's the closest community gets to like Big Bang Theory territory where it's like, oh, all of these characters have like catchphrases that they'd say. Yes. Um, but it's none of the main characters. It's all like Dina Lena Lean, you know. Yeah. It's very good. Chang! <laughs> Chang! Oh, I forgot Leonard fucking ra- blows raspberries. Oh, shit. It's so good. Yeah. It's an end tag. You got Starburns in there. Mm, that is a tasty end tag. Yeah, that's real good. Mm. Uh... Like, I would put it above and. Which is our current number 11. Yeah. So we're into porn names. Another Leonard end tag. Leonard, making a lot of showing this week somehow. <laughs> he's, got, he's got that habit. He pops up when okay. you expect him to. So uh, another musical section in our top 10. Betty White Africa rap. How does this stack? Mm. I think I, I would might watch give this the... more. Oh. You think so? What were you going to say? You were about to say the I opposite. I was going to say the opposite. I yeah. think I would get... No, I was, but I would give the slight edge 
to Miss Betty White. Okay. Why? Pure uh, sonic enjoyment, I think, is a better song they produce with Betty White than <laughs> I can't uh, argue this, that, you jackass. <laughs> this cacophony of sound. This is... Well, that's my reasoning. Okay. That's my reasoning. Okay. But I would not be mad if we ended up putting Carol of the Changs above uh, <laughs> Carol of the Deans above the Betty White Africa rap. I would not be upset about that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a mm-hmm. mm, boy. Mbop, as some say. Mm-bop. I can see Betty White being over it. Above it. Or higher ranked is what I meant. Yes. Yeah. I but That's it's 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 just edging it out. I think we have a new number ten. Yes. With uh, I'll uh, Carol of the Chanks is what I'm <laughs> what I'm going to call it. It's, boy, what a it's like Carol of the Chanks isn't inherently insulting, but the more you think about it, the more you're like, damn, dude, damn. It also sounds like I'm making an oblique reference to actor Carol Channing. Uh, which, <laughs> yep. which I'm not. Uh, Rizzo, R.I.P. Is that Carol Channing? Is Carol Channing Rizzo in Greece? Anyway, I, now we get to the I, episode I, rankings. Foosball and nocturnal vigilantism. So why don't we? Why don't we start? Uh, intro to statistics. The first appearance of Abed Batman is our current number thirty. So why don't we use that as a starting point here? Interesting. Okay. And that's the party Abed Batman, right? First appearance of Slater, Pierce Trippin' Balls. <laughs> yeah. I, mm. as much as I like this foosball episode, I I do think I will give the slight edge to the season one Halloween episode. Yeah. But I would hear the case in the other direction. No, I I would watch the I would watch intro to stats more more readily than I would this. Not not because this one's bad, like you said, but like it's just not it's not the intro of Slater, and that deserves a place above most things. Anyway, yeah, I would put it. Hmm. I feel so mean putting it in the thirties, but not everything can be a top ten. Not everything can be in top, and we have a heavy hitter right after. Like, so, I would put it 39. 39. Uh, Beneath Biology, Biology 101 is a pretty solid episode. Uh, but above <sighs> the Eastern... Oh, shit, I like Luca, though. I know you like Luca. I am going to put this above Luca. I put Foosball above. I put um, Nick Kroll as Jurgen above yeah. and Virgil Kaj as Luca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that, too, yeah, is that too low otherwise? Like biology has I, Michael look, Kenneth Williams in it. And John Goodman. And John Goodman. And it also has a musical number. It does. Although that's the other episode that we're... Yeah, but, but the other episode we're talking about has all musical numbers. This if is, you asked uh, me which one I would put on right now of like Biology 101 or Foosball, and maybe it's because I've seen Foosball more... I would probably put on biology. I just think biology has more going on in it than yeah. than this one, which is why I would put it yeah thirty nine. Yeah, S S three E nine, Fußball and nocturnal vigilantism, and this episode is how I learned the word vigilantism. Uh, yep. 
than today or, is when I learned how to pronounce it correctly. Yeah, or probably from uh, Superman, uh, super superhero mythos. Although they usually pronounce it vigilantism. That's what I which would, is, that's what I would say. And then you said vigilantism when we started, and I went, "Oh, I'm I mean, doing it wrong." <laughs> I hate to be that guy. There's not a the letters aren't there for it to be pronounced vigilantism. No, they're not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> Those letters aren't where they need to be for that to be the case. Oh, so now we have regional holiday music. And I think oh, this is going to... This is going to be a motherfucker. So let's go to the season two Christmas episode, Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. And how do we stack this against that? I like this more than that. I know that was a very quick answer to a very weighted question, but I like this more than that. I am in agreement with you. Um, I would probably let's... catch myself. I'm probably I'm probably jumping the gun. Forgive me. I would no. Go ahead. Speaking of jumping the gun, I would probably catch myself watching conspiracy theories and interior design before I would catch myself watching this. I uh, agree with you. I love this episode i don't think it ekes out conspiracy theories to crack the top 10 yes that top 10 is gonna gonna have it's gonna have some distance between us and the next time we have to crack it i think there's gonna be there are for the rest of this season which is a season i really like there is really only one after Glee Christmas that I would position as a top 10 episode, and that's Pillows and Blankets, Ooh, the yeah. pillow documentary. Yes. Is the only one left in this season, and I really like, like, Virtual Systems Analysis, the Dreamatorium episode, but, like, I, is that I, better than Conspiracy Theories? I don't... Yeah, I like I like the Law & Order episode. Oh, shit, um, the fucking first Chang Dynasty is also this season, though. Yeah, the heist that is good. episode's really good. And there's, I mean, there's a few in season five that I think have a shot at cracking the top ten, which is like the Ass Crack Bandit, Lie Detector, Lava World. They have a shot, and there's like a couple in season six, but it's it's tough going to crack the top ten at this point, is yeah. basically what I'm trying to say. Yep. Which, so like, if we're talking about a show that's what? Uh, 80 episodes? How many? Is Community? Yeah. 110. 110? Yeah. Being in the top 10? That's a that's an honor. That's a... Yeah. You are literally in... <laughs> of the 11 echelons, you were in the top one. Um, Like, to get into the top 10, you have to be an episode we like more than Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design. Like... Fuck you for trying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You think you think you're gonna make How it in the top ten with conspiracy theories being number ten? Yes. Okay, so we're not in the top ten here. I maybe like this one more than for a few paintballs more. The Star Wars paintball episode. Star Wars episode. Huh. I'm trying to think like which one I've watched more because that's that's generally the measuring stick for me i if i like a thing in community i don't like savor it i binge watch it um so like every time i start it's like did i finish that episode i might as well start it over and i think that when it comes down to it i've watched the season two duo pack of paintball episodes 
more than most things. So I may not be the most unbiased of judges for this, but like, I think it's better than Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. I don't. What's what's cooperative calligraphy? That's Annie's the pen, the pen, the pen episode. This is not as good as Annie's pen. It's not as good as Annie's pen. So it does literally come down to who holds number twelve. Shit. Is it? Is it Star Wars paintball or is it the I? I might put it above. I might put it above paintball actually. If we are considering it against Star Wars paintball only. I, I am going to give the edge to this. And maybe that's just my own... I mean, this is a partial list. This is a subjective list. Yeah, I said, and my I said list, I'm biased and like, who gives a shit? This is our list. Who gives a shit? <laughs> this is bias. This is literally a list of biases. And I like musicals more than I like Star Wars. <laughs> and I, it, perhaps it is that simple. I mean, I like maybe, the yeah. concept of musicals more than I like Star Wars. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty valid point. I do not like musicals more than Star Wars, but but I but. also only see moments of this episode as Star Wars. The rest of it feels a way more like a military yeah parallel to me than actual Star Wars. There's a few moments, but not mm-hmm. nearly as referential as the first one is to Western. It and is like a, yeah. Well, I mean, the first the one problem. is like the first one. Yeah. The first one is it has turned the Western dial up to ten or right. eleven. The the Star Wars episode is like four Star Wars and then like four war movie and it, it and I, I it's a great episode. It's our number twelve, but yeah. um, I well, regional you, holiday music. Yeah, and if you think about it, like the first episode has it easy because it's aiming to replicate uh, or imitate rather uh, genre. Imitating a specific, I mean, you could argue Star Wars is a genre at this point, but like the tropes of Star Wars are so bastardized from everywhere else <laughs> that like if you imitate Star Wars, you're just going to be imitating a, a a medium or a uh, not even a medium, but you're going to be imitating an, an imitator. So at that point, yes. are you really, you know, don't get me wrong. You can uh, people are going to listen to this and add us about this specific comment, but don't get me wrong. You can imitate Star Wars. Absolutely. You can imitate. Many have. But this is not an imitation of Star Wars. This is Star Wars-y stuff, but mostly just war movie stuff. There's war tables and, like, flanking operations and mm-hmm. all that shit. And there is a there is a much better war parody coming up with the Pillow and Blanket Ken Ooh. Burns documentary. Might be my favorite so. of all time. Oh man! That episode man. fucking that. It will be nice to revitalize the top ten a little bit. Yeah, that's what I, uh, what I was saying a few minutes ago when I was like, we we will not come back to the top ten. I don't think until then, and then after then, it might it might be a minute. But like, we got after, one more at, after pillows and blankets. I think the next time we reappraise where we reconsider the top ten is ass crack bandit in season five. I think that's the next time we're like. Let's at least like look at the top ten. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like we are in agreement that this is our new number twelve. S three E ten regional. What are regionals? Regional holiday. This is what we do. This is who we are this now. This is who we are. Uh, shout out to Taryn Killam. Hell of a performance yeah, uh, right. in this episode. You should put a star so, next to each of the episodes we just placed, so that next time we record with Jace, we can be so kind as to. Let them know specifically what we did and where we did it. 
<laughs> so we can we can show them our 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 tracks. Yes. Um. Yeah. And the next two episodes, like I like them both. They're not coming close to these two. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, I like Shirley's wedding a lot. Actually, I think that one's going to be pretty high for me. Yeah, that one's pretty. But good. I didn't even. But uh, celebrity impressionist is not not going to be exceptional. No, that's not. <laughs> that's that's the next one after. Neat. But there, I'm looking. There are a lot of bangers coming up later this season. I forgot about the second fake flashback episode with John Hodgman. That's coming up. That episode rules. <laughs> yeah, dude. The la- the last the last. Uh, what am I trying to say? The back like four or five yeah. this season are solid. I think uh, after we clear, I mean, I I'd like the two episodes next week, and then it's really smooth sailing through the end of the season. We're gonna be cruising, and then we hit season four. <laughs> And that will be uh, an interesting seven weeks. <laughs> oh, no, seven weeks. Uh. There's 13 episodes, dog. And yeah. we're going to do uh, two at a time. And then the season four finale is getting its own episode of our show. Um, hey. As we appraise. Yeah, great. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then we're season five and six, which are two very good seasons. Yeah, and short. And short. Yeah, the end of this show I- is going to approach rapidly. Yeah, we're because now the we have like as many episodes left in season three as the other seasons have total. So yep. we are going to be clipping through these. Yep. Uh, as we as we round up on this, well, and then be- uh, maybe we're talking about The Witcher at some point. Honestly, <laughs> the three of us have not discussed it in a month and a half, uh, and the three of us have not been together, not live, to talk about it. But we'll we'll figure it out. Maybe we will. Maybe we will make it happen, or we won't, or or we won't. <laughs> and uh, audience, you'll move on with your life. Maybe I maybe we'll just start when you have the baby. We will. Yeah. Start covering The Witcher so you don't miss a bunch of community. And then sometimes you'll be there or sometimes you won't. Sure. And that's okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Luckily, this isn't like a nine to five job. So the odds that I will need to like be gone for a long time, probably pretty low. That might just mean sure. that like. But I also don't want you to feel pressured <laughs> with a newborn child and a three-year-old to have to be here <laughs> during that, especially that first month. That is deeply appreciated. This is not a job. You're not making any money off this. I think you're getting some Twitch subscribers, but I got a few. That's yeah. the most. That was pretty great. Yeah, that's most you see. And we'll do another one of those, but you know, yeah. sometime later. We'll yeah. we'll save it for something special. Uh, another election. Oh, but, that's, uh, uh, why would you say getting, that? <laughs> it's get, we'll do it for the Georgia runoffs in January, but um, uh, it's getting pretty late Eastern Standard Time. So any plugs you got, I say lay them out. Uh, I don't really have any. Um, I have the new Xbox, so that's cool. And I'm going to be streaming on it tomorrow, so that's cool. But other than S that, man, X. the Series X, I got the big beefy one. Oh, you got the big beefy. Yeah, when you go to a restaurant, you order from the menu that which would satisfy you. And that's what I did. Um, and that's the big beefy. I love it. And that's twitch.tv slash nerdybitstv. Yes, 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 indeed. Um, other than that, man... Um, we got a long road ahead of us. It ain't gonna be quick at all. So, like, uh, just be be strong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whether or not the dumbest people on earth attempt a coup, um, there's a lot of work still to be done. 
Uh, and there were, it seems like there were some good victories and it seems like there were some setbacks. Uh, and we're probably going to bring up the Georgia runoffs a lot uh, on the plug section of this show. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> Please uh, donate to the Democratic candidates and the Act Blue uh, situation for these Georgia runoffs, because that could mean uh, old Mitch McConnell is no longer the majority leader of the Senate. And by God, that turtle man needs to be in the soup already. Uh, so, Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Incredible. Make him soup. Matt, they're not going to be able to keep that dude's grave clean. I'm not threatening him, but like they're going to need a full-time service guy to like make sure people do not piss on that man's remains. <laughs> <laughs> There's that like list of like, we're, we're listing every Trump staffer and we're blacklisting him from Washington. I have a piss list. I <laughs> have people... a... I have a bucket list uh, for people uh, whose graves I do intend to piss on at some point. Even Uh, if that means I have to make a special trip to Kentucky just to make it happen. Sure. You missed an opportunity. I thought you were going to say you have a bucket list for people who dump a bucket of piss on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought about that as I was saying it, but I couldn't couldn't make it happen. I was very stressed before this, so I'm a little drunk and a little high, and I just couldn't quite make it. That is 100% fine. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, so that's that's my main plug. Uh, and then just shouting out shit I'm enjoying right now. Hades is still a very good video game, and it's very cheap. Uh, and I'd uh, recommend that people uh, play it, because it is good. And uh, we worship uh, Dionysus. <laughs> and uh, if Dionysus is not around, we worship Aphrodite. Thank you. And um, also, if you few Aphrodite boons, dude. Yeah, I just not have not interacted with her a ton. I'm sorry about it. I need to get better at it. Go on. Oh well. Uh, (laughs) And uh, if you have HBO Max, the movie Dog Day Afternoon is on there through the end of the month. Uh, Watch that. Good flick. (laughs) Good flick. That's that's what I got for you. (laughs) It works. Those are the plugs that I have. Uh, We will be back next week for. Uh, two Michael Jacksons and Shirley's wedding rehearsal. Uh, but until then, pop up. Bam, bam. <laughs> Woof. Just Jeez. you had to you had to blue ball us like Jason always does. <laughs> Santa Claus was born in 1945. He had a boogie woogie Coca Cola army chat. And when the commies gave the polio to Doris Day, Santa helped the Beatles chase me. That baby boomer Santa, he's never gonna die. Santa fought at Woodstock and Vietnam and smoked a ton of acid and burnt his bra. And then in 1970, he did more drugs and his hair stayed long and he grew a mustache. Baby boomer Santa, he's gonna stay alive. Santa invented Spielberg and microchips. Santa invented Coca-Cola and aerobics. He made the Iron Curtain and the Gremlins too. Fake butter and AIDS and Twin Peaks. Baby Boomer Santa, thank you for MTV. You're welcome for everything in the world. You're welcome 
You're welcome for all that I bring to the world. I'm Baby Boomer Santa. I bring the gift of the world. Baby Boomer Santa, I'm an American pearl. That was quite a show. Very entertaining. Please tell your friends about this show.